listening to Spooky Natural. I'm Nate and I'm here with my co-host Lee. Hello. And this week we are going to be discussing a cryptid. Now we had plans I think to do a full cryptid episode explaining what a cryptid is but instead I'm going to condense it down until the next like 15 seconds of, of talking. <laughs> um, so a cryptid, this is based on my understanding so correct me if I'm wrong, um, is a it doesn't even need to be mythological. It's uh, an animal, a beast that has been claimed. People have claimed to see it, but has never been substantiated. That is technically yeah. the... Yeah, okay. Like your Bigfoot, your Chubacabras. Yeah, yeah, um... okay. And am I right in thinking this is based on a little bit of reading that I did on, on cryptids? You can will a cryptid into existence, so actually there is no set... It doesn't have to be a famous cryptid. It doesn't have to be a Bigfoot. It doesn't have to be a Loch Ness monster. It can be anything. So if I, I think one of the ones that I saw was like a basking owl. So like a basking shark has got up a huge beak. Wow. <laughs> but just, <laughs> but just because you think it, it makes it a cryptid because it's unsubstantiated and it's yeah, beast. yeah. But before we crack on, how are you? I didn't tell you this, but I could have killed myself at the weekend because <laughs> <laughs> I borrowed my friend's lawnmower and went through oh. the wire so I'm just glad to be here my friend yeah that's a that's yeah that, yeah I'm not haunting you how are you <laughs> I'm good I'm warm I bought a dehumidifier oh. and um it's been on a grand total of 20 minutes and it's uh, already collecting a fair amount of water um and it's still humid as shit so my American neighbour who moved back to America was sending me Snapchats of her aircon unit. What I wouldn't do for an aircon unit. So I've been dying to know what this cryptid is all week. You've been very cryptic about this cryptid. Hey, so... I see we did that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> so please tell me more. I will tell you more. Uh, I'm going to preface this with this happens in France. I am not French and I am very likely to butcher some names. <laughs> Lucky for you, of course. This... <laughs> so we're doing the Beast of Gévaudan. Oh, I've Ooh. heard of this. I love this. So before I get into the story, what is the first thing you ever remember going viral? Um, the first thing I remember going viral. Uh, you go first. <laughs> Uh, it was that guy who did the vines where he mispronounced things. Uh, so watermelon was a watermelon. That's the first thing you remember going viral? <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't very social media-y. Like, uh-huh. I just wasn't bothered. It's from, through peer pressure that I have Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. <laughs> well, I mean, viral, like, like, do you remember Charlie bit my finger? Yes. That's probably yes, the I first do. thing that sticks out into my memory as going viral. But the first thing that pops into my head is is like old vines, like, look at all those chickens and the ducks. Um, <laughs> I, I love that line. But yeah, Charlie, Charlie bit my finger, probably. Well, what if I told you that one of the first global viral sensations happened in rural France in the 18th century? I would say that's 
impressive actually without internet it's like exactly it's like how people say that one direction a bigger the band a bigger i say band the boy group are bigger (laughs) than the beatles it's like yeah technically they are but they have an advantage of what 50 years on the beatles and we have the internet now so the beatles in america was far more fucking impressive but anyway yeah so it's extra impressive because of the the time it is and if you think as well, like uh, during this time in France, there was no what we would call government mm. either that could make official statements or take official steps to intervene. Um, and you have the like language barrier between French newspapers and then where it went, like there were stories about this in London, in Boston, New York. It's crazy. So Absolutely quite a lot. Crazy. Okay, so a lot of the story was quite literally lost in translation then. Yeah, yes and no, because there were some translations, but it still like boggles the mind that something that was written originally in France in a newspaper in rural 1800s was then, you know, on your doorstep in Boston. <laughs> like this is, I'm talking middle of a field somewhere in, I think it's southern France. Don't hold me to that because geography is not my strong point. <laughs> so, uh, Je Boudin is like Je it, exi- it doesn't <laughs> stop it. it, doesn't exist anymore. Um, I mean, the place exists, but it's not called the same thing. It stopped existing after the French Revolution, which I believe was in 1790. Oh, learned so much this week. Yeah. The area is very poor. The things I used to research kept calling them peasants and I was like I don't even know if I've comfortable saying that <laughs> is that now a slur is that and then I was like am I a peasant <laughs> <laughs> so these people do what you know happens in many rural areas they tended the land so they herded cattle sheep um and planted like grains and stuff that they could farm keep some for themselves and then turn a little bit of a profit yeah fuck the cousins stuff like that <laughs> well, I didn't say that. Maybe that's what the beast of Jeudon is. It's somebody's My like sister Betty. I know we are related, <laughs> but I put it in. And then they created some weird baby who's quite feral. Maybe, maybe. So these people lived a very quiet life, and for the most part, they were left to their own devices. Like I said it wasn't a busy metropolis. It was somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Everybody knew everybody. They were left to themselves, but. In 1764, they truly went global in a way that I imagine they didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, The creature would be known as, and this is the French, La Bête du Gévaudon, which means the beast of Gévaudon. The beast. I just want to say that the main source for today's episode is a book called The Monsters of Gévaudon, The Making of a Beast by J.M. Smith. Um, it was written in 2011, so it does use a very modern perspective to look back and, mm-hmm. I suppose, ponder what happened. Okay. And he's he's not for the supernatural, okay. which we'll get on to. So the first known attack happened on the 30th of June, 1764, and it was a 14-year-old girl named Jean Boulet, or it could be Jeanne. Uh, she was mauled to death while herding her sheep. Shit. Back then, being a shepherd or a shepherdess did have um, some dangers attached to it because wolves did roam the area. Mm-hmm. And if you're a lone person herding a sheep, then you are kind of at risk. Mm. So her death her death wasn't originally deemed as 
something unnatural. It was a shock to her family, of course, but yeah. nobody was... It's know, an occupational hazard. Getting the pitchforks and setting the fires. Yeah, yeah. And going to find the beast. That didn't happen yet. Um, according to Smith, the only documentation that's actually attached to her death was a burial notice, and that was written by the parish priest. And it mentions that the attacker, as in the animal, had been seen roaming the fields. So the burial notice is kind of a a warning as well that it's still out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there was hardly a chance to mourn the child's death before the next attack happened. On the 8th of August, 1764, an eight-year-old girl was killed in the parish of, I think this is Poilorens. And then a few weeks later, a 16-year-old boy succumbed to his injuries from a violent attack while working in the fields. And how so old was the first would, one again, sorry? The first one was eight. So so Jean was 14. So eight, 16, four. Oh, sorry, go on. 14, and then an eight-year-old girl, and then a 16-year-old boy. So they're all children. Okay. And even though wolves are to be expected in the area, mm-hmm. the frequency of these deaths started to become suspicious. Yeah, I have theories of my own already, but yeah, please proceed. (laughs) Between the 1st September and the 26th September that year, four more people were savaged to death. Uh, And it was during this time that the first adult victim was attacked. Okay. And it was a 36-year-old woman that was found brutalised, and this is the saddest bit, just a few steps from her front door. Um, So panic obviously started to spread in the area. Uh And committees of town elders... And officials got together to try and figure out what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there wasn't a government as we know it. There was just like rich people in the town that kind of garnered authority and yeah. could then maybe pass things back up the chain to the king. But there wasn't Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. There was a monarchy at the time, but the monarchy mm-hmm. didn't have like Subsects throughout the country. No, okay. The French Revolution was the thing that caused um, the like the the royal family to be fucked off, and then a government to be formed. Ah, right. (laughs) Kind of like what happened in England. Uh huh. So as of right now, as of as of the telling of our story, you've got families of nobility kicking up to the to the monarchy, and that's that's about it, right? Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and no, like police either. Yeah. With these bodies piling up, they firmly believed that there was some sort of animal out there that was attacking. Mm. But none of them could agree on whether it was something from the natural world or if it was something more supernatural. Mm -hmm. And this is because descriptions that I'll go into a bit later from survivors don't sound like any animal that you or I even have seen. Okay. I've seen some pretty fucking cool animals, though. I've seen an anteater. Do you know how cool they are? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's very nice you're excited about an anteater. They're so cool. It's only ants they eat a day. 20. I, know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm oh. sure it's a lot. <laughs> are you going to hit me with some facts? Oh, no, no. I learned nothing about trip to the zoo. So... Just a month after that, the attacks started to happen further afield. So it was in the same region, but it was mm. now spreading out into other like towns and villages. Okay. Um, the people were terrified and began knocking on local officials' doors, like demanding that they help them, because it was the the poor that were being killed. Yeah. Because they were the ones who were out 
like the crack of dawn and at dusk mm-hmm. sorting animals out. So I suppose at that time it's easy pickings. They're going to be yeah. on their own because they're up doing the alone, lonely, lonely work, like being a, she- being a shepherd or shepherdess. What's the what's the gender neutral term for shepherd? Because like actor is just actor now. Is it just shepherd? I think it's just shepherd now. I do think shepherds even exist anymore. <laughs> I think they do. Okay. Yeah, because you see sheepdogs doing the business, so yeah, there are still sheep. Yeah, well, there are sheep. I can. <laughs> they need that. to be shepherded. <laughs> So one of the local noblemen called Etienne Lafon, um, who was described as perceptive, empathetic and conscientious hmm. um, by his contemporaries, decided that he would take charge of the situation. And he was said to have kept his ear to the ground and he was in constant touch with people that were in other villages as well so that they could share reports and try and, oh, okay. I suppose, figure out like a pattern of behaviour. Yeah, find some commonality. Yeah. Um, as the the creature's hunting ground expanded, um, the brutality of the attacks increased exponentially, we'll say. Um, the decapitated body of a 20-year-old 20 year old woman was found on the 7th of October. Um, her head was found a week later. Wow. Yeah, and it said to... Um, people said that the skull appeared to have been cracked open like a nut. Oh, so mum's birthday, the 14th of October. <laughs> not does the 1800s, have head? Jesus. No. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if that's true, she looks good for her age. She does look good for her age. <laughs> uh, a week later, there was a group of seven children that were attacked. Only four survived. They all had wounds to their face, their neck and their head. And it looked like whatever attacked them had seized them by the throat. Okay. So this is the first group attack, isn't it? Yes, but it's children, though, so that I'd still, I think, even if it's a a human or an animal, children are still kind of seen as easy prey. You, yeah, you've just, you've just touched on, on part of, part of my theory on this, Um, but yeah, well. We'll go on from that. And these kids were like, how old are we talking? Toddler, are we talking like? Uh, They were like eight, eight, nine. Okay, okay. So they're not tiny, tiny. Yeah. Um, on the 10th of October, a 10-year-old boy was found mauled to death and his head had been severed from his body and his torso had been shredded, huh. which is just not pretty imagery. No. So because this uh, this dude, old Etienne, was collating all this data from the surrounding villages, uh, a clear pattern was now established. Mm. The beast typically attacked women and children that were alone ensuring that there would be no one around to help. Mm. Um, and the creature, and this is a quote, seized its unfortunate victims by the nape of the neck, choked the life out of them, and drank their blood before separating the head from the trunk of the body. Mm. And he issued a warning for the area that women and children were the, either to stay at home or be accompanied by armed men, but this wasn't really practical because it was the women and children that were tending these fields mm. and the likelihood of a man being around who was armed with something other than a stick. That's what I was going to say, armed with the, what, a fucking rake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with the Bible! <laughs> <laughs> Preach the creature to death. <laughs> Uh, news of the attack was spreading, which created more panic and hysteria among the locals. Um, and it's kind of like 
we call it here Chinese whispers, but in America they call it telephone. Oh. Where a story becomes so far detached from the original with the more people that are, you know, passing it along each other. Um, and I do feel like that kind of happened here. Um, one newspaper suggested that a boy had contracted a wild fever after locking eyes with the monster. Jesus. Rumours began to spread, as they want to do, about witches, werewolves, magic, and other mystical fantasies that could explain where it was happening. Mm. Um, I think in those situations, something that's magical is possibly more comforting than something that's real. Like if it was just a dude going around lopping off kids' heads. Yeah. That's yeah, more um, hard to something... accept. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's something less settling that a human being, human beings who are supposed to have evolved past this kind of animalistic behavior. Mm-hmm. There's something more settling than thinking, okay, it's yeah. an animal who doesn't know better. Thinking that yeah. it's a guy who does know better is scary. Yeah. And who's your neighbor? Yeah. Like I know that yeah. BTK was high up in his uh, community doing all the things, but that's a town of a few thousand. This is a town of, like, a hundred. Yeah. A woman that survived the attack described the beast as having powerful paws, six sharp talons, wide and pointy fangs, and sparkling eyes. Talons? Is that the actual yeah. word that she used? Yeah. So not claws. That's what I mean. That's weird. Like an eagle. It is. I kind of want to sketch this animal because it sounds hilarious. <laughs> uh, and this is a, a French newspaper, the Courier... The Avignon? That's not how you say that. Flawless. No, thank you. Its countenance is so frightening that it would take Hercules to face up to it. No (laughs) one doubts this is the region where it roams, for among those who have tried to muster their courage, some could not even bring themselves to fire on it, no matter how safe the distance, and others filed widely, hands trembling. Side note here, one of our most famous gothic novelists from around this time called Mm. Horace Walpole um, did something with this story. Like he he wrote a fictionalised account of it, which I think is quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, Hunters had attempted to capture the creature, but had no success whatsoever. In December of that year, it was seen on the grounds of Chateau La Balme. And this was hours after it just attacked and killed somebody else. Mm -hmm. Captain Jean-Baptiste Duhamel led the hunt uh, and he stayed by the decapitated body, hoping that maybe the beast would track backwards. Uh Um, Because if it it was eating, which they do think that um, the creature was partially consuming some of its victims then maybe it would come back to finish its meal. It's that word partially, I don't like. What wild animal would partially eat to the point where it wasn't noticeable? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think some animals animals are skittish, so if you disturbed an animal that was eating something, it might run away. It doesn't sound like a lot of these were being disturbed. These are just like bodies being found the next day. Yeah, most of them missing their heads. Yeah, animals don't tend to kill for sport. No, they don't. They don't. People do, because we're great. Mm. So he stood 
by this corpse, hoping to catch a glimpse of the creature. Um, after a while, he realised he hadn't got the best vantage point, so he moved into a heavily forested area. Mm-hmm. And he was basically like, do you know hunters do in America when they're tracking deer? They mm-hmm. just lie super still and don't move. Yeah, yeah. He was doing that, and then the beast came into his vision, but there were other men in the hunting party that were behind him who didn't see that he had his musket trained on the beast and they started to fire wildly and it ended up like running off into the woods. Yeah. Duhamel described the creature as much larger than a lynx and has the height and nearly the shape of a large wolf. Its muzzle is similar to that of a calf. As in a baby cow. Yeah. So I, I think that has like a, quite a squat nose. Yeah, like a squared nose, the body of a wolf and the size of a lynx. This is a fucking strange animal. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, A chase ensued and more shots were fired, and this time the beast was hit. Uh, Duhamel said, the first fired from about 10 paces. The beast fell from the force of the blow, but picked itself up. The second then fired from the same distance, and it fell again. The two hunters and several peasants rushed forward, believing the beast to be dead, but it recovered once more and fled towards the woods, moving with a faltering gait and more slowly than before, yet still faster than its pursuers. It absorbed yet another shot as it entered the woods, though this blow did nothing to bring it down. When it re-emerged, a hunter fired again from about 50 paces. Again, the beast went down, but recovered as soon as before and retreated into the woods. The party searched until nightfall without managing to find it again. And you um, think if it's been hit, it must be bleeding. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That's one thing, if it bleeds, we can follow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like If these hunters, quote, hunters, were any anything like decent hunters, they would know how to track a bleeding animal. Yeah, and you assume that they would at least be able to follow a blood trail. Yeah. I think they just shot a small wolf, honestly. Maybe, but how would it then just get back up if it's been shot five or six times? And and when they say they shot you five or six times, that's five or six guys going, yeah, no, I definitely got it. And (laughs) Do you think that, guys, we can't let anybody know how shit we are. Let's come up with a story. A hundred percent. Oh, there was ten of them. A hundred percent, yeah, a hundred percent. After the uh, the failed hunting party, the beast went on to savage more children just two days later. <clears throat> uh, and one of the potential victims actually became somewhat of um, a hero in the area and in front as well. Uh, this little kid called Jacques Portifax, he was 10 years old. He encountered the creature while playing with his friends and they managed to attack it with sticks and send it running, which makes me think that was probably a big wolf. Yeah. But oh. the the notoriety of the beast eventually reached the steps of Louis XV's palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of context, Louis and the country were recovering from catastrophic losses in the Seven Years' War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'd also had major losses with battles with Prussia and Britain, which can't be good if you're a king. No. Certainly undermines your authority, doesn't it? So if you think um, the state of the country and Louis's dignity at that point, 
having any sort of win would suddenly become a big deal. Mm, You want to regain the respect of your people and possibly up from other countries. So he really captured and stuck with this, we're going to sort out this beastie problem. Mm, Yeah, save face a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, the Louis actually rewarded the children with money. Huh? And he was so impressed with Jacques that the crown paid for the kids' education as a reward, oh. as a reward even. So Louis had decided, right, we're going to sort this shit out right now. And he asked uh, one of the royal gun bearers, who was 71 fucking years old, does the man <laughs> not deserve to retire? <laughs> Uh, so that was Francois Antoine. Antoine. I don't know how that's pronounced. But hey, I don't know how much of this story is pronounced. That's okay. No. <laughs> so old Francois and his nephew organised another hunt. Um, so loads of people turned up at this town. And they were like, oh, we're going to sort it. The king is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did kill a large wolf near the Abbey Lachaise. And it was decided that it definitely was the beast. We definitely killed it. For his efforts, Anton was rewarded with money and titles. And the corpse of the wolf was stuffed and sent back to the royal courts to put on display. Hmm. Which I know of that time, stuffing animals and hanging them on the walls is, you know, a sign that you're grey and all. What kind of freaks me out? A little bit. I can't imagine the taxidermy was particularly good in the 1800s either. No, no. And I often find myself thinking that, do animals have ghosts? Yeah. So I think Native Americans, some tribes believe that animals have, I don't know if souls is the right word, but they Spirits. Can, yeah, that they have an afterlife. Mm. So despite Louis saying, problem sorted, Everybody cheer for me. The attacks didn't stop. Like just a week or so after the old wolf corpse was put on the wall, uh, there were more attacks, more bodies found without the heads. This compelled a guy with the title of Marquis de Apture, a local nobleman. They assem- he assembled another hunting party. And on June 19th, a man named Jean Jastel shot and killed another wolf on the slopes of Mount Moucher. <laughs> the wolf population one... of France just plummeting at this <laughs> point. <laughs> I think this wolf was described as being much larger. Okay. And what I forgot to mention was between the killing of the first wolf mm-hmm. and the killing of the second wolf the beast's behaviour had changed. The frequency of the attacks was, you know, more often. They were more bloody. It felt like the beast was um, less afraid of being caught in the open. Okay. And some of the attacks were just horrendous. Like a woman and her sister were crossing a river. The beast killed them both. Um, Almost like gutted this poor woman. See, the the more... The more you describe, the less this sounds like an animal. Mm. Uh, an autopsy was re- uh, was um, an autopsy was performed on the second wolf, uh-huh. which thought quite interesting. Yeah. They hadn't bothered to do that with the first one. 
they were more interested in finding out for sure if that was the, the beast that had been terrorizing them than mm. old Louis, who wanted to come in with a pomp and parade and say, look, we're here to fix it. Oh, look, we fixed it. And then didn't stay around for anyone to ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. Which is a commonality among politicians. Very true. Very true. The autopsy revealed that there was human flesh in uh, the stomach of this animal. Okay. So the hunting party and the wider town believe that this was truly the beast of a Jeboudan. And the attacks did stop and normal life, whatever that was, carried on. Okay. The behaviour of the beast that was described by witnesses certainly did add credence to the idea that it's a wolf. Um, It displayed signs of ambush behaviour. Okay. And stalking its prey, like making Uh sure that its prey was out in the open, that there wasn't anyone around to help it. Yeah. It also appeared to seize victims by the throat and bite the heads and limbs, which is apparently what wolves do. Wouldn't know, never met one, don't want to. Thing is, though, the one thing that didn't fit into any sort of theory about it being a wolf was the fact that the bodies were decapitated. Mm. Uh, There aren't many animals that do that. It doesn't really serve a purpose. No, do that and then stop there. That's what I mean about the only the little, little bits of flesh being consumed just seems really strange. That's not animal behaviour. And I could see a wolf going for someone's neck and then taking it down to bone just to make sure that the person was dead. Yeah. Before having a little nibble elsewhere. But And the fact that some of these heads were found weeks after the body was found or found really far away. So there are theories that are perceived as credible and then theories that are perceived as like wild. Okay. Just out of the scope of reason. Mm -hmm. So the first and the most believed theory is the wolf. The author of the book, Smith, mentioned that the area had quite a bad wolf infestation, particularly of rabid wolves who had caught rabies. That could explain some of the odd behaviour then. Could, but it doesn't account for the fact that some of the survived, like people did survive these attacks, that's how Mm, we have eyewitnesses. Uh None of them contracted rabies. Ah. And it is a bloodborne. Is it bloodborne? No, it would be in the saliva of the wolf. Yeah, yeah, but if it gets into your bloodstream, you mean, yeah, 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 I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, he quotes some research that shows between the 17th and the 19th century, wolves had attacked humans 9,000 times in that area. Mm. Um, the things that didn't match the wolf theory was, again, the surviving victims didn't contract rabies mm-hmm. and the descriptions didn't match a wolf. Yeah. Like this, you know, we all, we can all exaggerate things to make things seem worse than they are, but even the the hunter's descriptions, like with the the more squat nose, the talons. It's weird. Yeah, I don't. Sounds like weird. a chimera. It's like part bird, like the, the feet of a I bird and the body of a of a body of a a, a lynx and the the head of a cow. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want that. But. Yes, mm. a more fanciful theory was that the creature was a werewolf. And something that kind of fed into this mythology was that the hunters were rumoured to be using silver bullets. Oh, okay. Which we all know takes out a werewolf. I've seen that film. And a vampire. (laughs) Speaking of, 
yes. Do you know the thing about vampires not being able to see themselves in mirrors? Mm-hmm. Apparently, with modern day mirrors, that wouldn't be the case. They only couldn't see themselves because mirrors at the time of the vampire were made of silver. So that's why they couldn't see themselves. But apparently now they could. Oh, because <clears throat> you see all these vampires who have lived hundreds and hundreds of years suddenly being like, oh my God, look at me. I wonder all those uh, gothic horror romance novels have been about me. Mm-hmm. Um, the age of the victims also kind of played into this mythology as werewolves supposedly have a taste for the young. I I, I just, I don't see it like as, as bizarre as the theory is. Werewolf is the the natural conclusion when you consider the ferocity of a wolf with the cunning is the wrong word, but with the the twisted mind of a human, like Yeah. It's... But if we look at werewolf mythology and them being tied to lunar cycles, mm. the creature was out at dusk and dawn. So yeah. <clears throat> it kind of doesn't add up there either. True. Another suggestion was that it was a hyena. There were people who had, like Joe Exotic, who had privately owned wild animals and he kept them. Um, So the theory behind that would be that one of these hyenas would have gotten out of their enclosure and just gone on a rampage. Hmm, I can see that. Just take out all that pent-up rage and aggression out on everyone. That makes. I mean, that's what I do. That makes the that makes the most sense. They're like they're smaller, body of the wolf. They've got more square noses, but surely you wouldn't have been able to miss the <laughs> noise that they make. Like, that's not more like a Do dolphin, they all admittedly. make that? Do, they did a little bit. Do they all make that um, that kind of laughy noise? That that laugh. Yeah, that that's yeah. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Unless it's only because oh hang on, unless it, that's only hyenas that are raised with siblings. Siblings, so they learn. Like they learn social skills together. Yeah. Is possibly. it just hyenas are not known to attack humans though? Hmm. So there's a bit of a spanner in the works for that theory. Um, a dude called Karl Hans Tark, who is Dutch, I think, believes that it could have been a lion. Um, he's a biologist and the author of the Jevoudan tragedy, disastrous campaign of a deported beast. So he believes that it could have been an adolescent male lion that had also escaped captivity. So again, one that was privately owned. Okay. Um, and again, that explains a, the smaller size, the stature yeah. of the wolf. Okay. And as an adolescent, it wouldn't have had the full name. It would have had like a mohawk down its back. Okay, so that could have looked like a little... Because wolves have those little ruffle things on the necks, don't they? Yeah, when they're... Is it heckles, hackles, go up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like dogs have it. I don't know if you've ever seen Bobby when he Uh gets his little mohawk. Um, Lions are ambush hunters as well. They Mm -hmm. seize prey by the neck and can and have been known to decapitate victims. Okay. Lions have also been known to eat and attack humans and have a territory of about 50 squared miles. And eyewitnesses would probably not be familiar with what a lion is. True. Yeah, true. If they were, quote, peasants. Yeah, I mean, they might have seen, like, stylized versions that have been drawn by people, but they would never have, like, we can go to the zoo and see them. 
I went mm. to Chester to do it and two lions spooned and it was adorable. Right. So yeah, like I said, lions have been known to eat people. There's um, a quite a famous incident that happened towards the end of the 18th century in, I think it's correct, Savo, T-S-A-V-O. Uh, not a clue. Well, where uh, a pair of lions killed 130 people in a year. Jesus. Um, okay, that's quite an impressive number. Yeah, it is. Every, every three weeks, someone's killed by a lion. That's cool. Yeah, and there were a couple of theories as to why that might have happened. Every three days. Sorry, shit, every three days. Yeah, that is a lot. That is a lot. Yo. So there could have been an out- outbreak of something called a rinderpest, which is cattle plague. Mm. Um, so that would have killed off the lion's usual prey, forcing them to find alternative food sources, like okay. us. That makes sense. Um, the lions might have also been accustomed to finding humans at the river crossing. And then there's a theory that there was a ritual invitation of the Hindu railroad workers to... They were invited to scavenge. That makes a lot less sense. That sounds... It that does. just sounds more like more like racism than, it, than anything else. Possibly, possibly. Um, in one of Jean-Baptiste Duhamel's reports, he said, you would undoubtedly think I do, that this is a monster, the father of which is a lion, and what its mother was remains to be seen. Just kind of quite, sound quite shady on the mother. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, there's another theory that it was an armoured war dog. Hmm? An armoured war dog. Who's making armour for dogs? I don't know. Maybe they were bored. Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough, yeah. Um, which would explain its very strange appearance mm-hmm. and its ability to escape seemingly unhurt after being shot. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't really a war in the area. And if a blacksmith had enough time and money to waste making an armour for a dog... He wouldn't be a fucking blacksmith. <laughs> he wouldn't be a blacksmith, no, and he'd probably wouldn't live in that area because they were all poor. True. Um, The last theory is that it's a human, and this is threefold. Okay. So This I'm excited about because this is is what I think. (laughs) So the first theory is that it was a human serial killer. Uh Uh-huh. So this would be uh, a way that the beast could roam in broad daylight and stalk its prey without the prey knowing, and... There are some theories that you might have wanted disguise to look more like a beast. Um, the second idea is that it was a human who um, also had an animal with them. So that could explain why it looked like um, the corpses had been bitten. Mm, okay. And then the third theory is from the God-fearing folk. And obviously that has to do with Satan. Mm-hmm. And this was an idea that kind of like a werewolf it was a human that could physically transform themselves okay um and this physical transformation was thought to depend on the bodily application of infernal and diabolical compositions provided by ancients of the devil or satan himself wow and that fire was kind of um lit by clergymen in the area who was saying this terrible thing was happening because France lost the Seven Years' War and the people had to pay for that loss. We had to get on God's good side again. Why would God give a fuck? Oh, all right. I, I think 
if I was God, I'd not really be bothered about people killing themselves. No. Doing your job for you, really, isn't it? Like, if I built an ant farm and one section of those ants killed another section of those ants, I don't think I'd give a shit. I wouldn't no. be thinking, you you diminished section of ants need to rise back up. I'd be thinking, <laughs> or I'm oh, going to set the beast of Jebudon on your ass. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not just going to put a fucking cricket in there and watch him get fucked up. Like, that, that just, yeah. In reality, though, without any forensic or genetic evidence left, we're never going to know what really was attacking the poor peasants. How all we know explain? for sure is that even after all this time, the legend still lives on. Like mm. I said before, it's been made into films, French films that I imagine you won't have seen. No, <laughs> no. Um, and books like good old Horace stole the story and passed it off as his own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there are loads of podcasts, loads of books um, based on like critical theory have been written about it as well. Okay. Like this, this guy whose book I was reading, he kind of focuses on how this event got the the palace to do something when there was no official government in place. Because mm. um, it just it didn't happen. Like The palace didn't intervene in stuff like this. They were okay. more worried about the war. Um, and he was also interested in how the story was spread, given that they didn't have the technological advances that we have. Yeah. Like, they couldn't tweet it. Okay. But Smith was a firm believer that it was just a wolf and that panic started to rise and then it became a case of, like, mass hysteria where they were all buying into something spooky because, I suppose, having someone die at the hands of something that isn't spooky is kind of a... Not as not dramatic. That's what we're looking for. But it's more mundane, isn't it? It's more something it's not that's happening every day. Yeah, you know, if if I died, I would want to be killed by the beast of Jebudon as opposed to a regular wolf. True. Go out in style and all that. Yeah, and you're probably going to ask this later on. So if we are, we'll circle back to it. What do you think? I was literally about to ask you that. Okay. <laughs> what do I think? I. We've always said in this show that we're open to belief, uh-huh. but we do feel like we're spooky cop blockers. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm on the fence a little bit. I think it could very well have been a wolf, mm. but I kind of think that maybe there was somebody getting to the bodies before they were found and doing things like removing the head. Okay. I am of the opinion that in an area of France heavily populated by wolves, there were quite a few attacks already that, Mm -hmm. you know, that were just written off as wolf attacks. I think a cunning, sick-minded individual decided to take advantage of that and slaughtered to his heart's content, which is why there's so much variation in the attacks, because some of them were genuinely wolves, others were... That's really interesting. Was this individual? So, and I, I believe in the sickness of mankind more than I believe in the beast of Shabudan. What do you make of eyewitness reports then that said it wasn't a wolf? Um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Possibly. Your mind 
you, we've talked about this before, your mind creates a narrative that makes you feel more comfortable. Mm. Yeah. I suppose and, like as well, if you're a hunter who's very good at catching prey, the idea that a single wolf could evade capture might be a little bit of a a dint in your masculinity there. So making it out yeah. to be something more than it is. Yeah. Like when someone's punched you in the face and somebody asks, how'd you get that? And you're like, oh, you should see the other guys. There's 10 of them. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I think on, on, on this occasion, I'm going to err on the side of human beings being sick as fuck rather than, rather than mythical beast. But, but... This individual in himself, because he's never his his existence has never been substantiated, he in himself is a cryptid. So this is still a cryptid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And you think that the mythological elements that have been added to his story just reinforces that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, but it probably was a dude. Ugh, men. Men. <laughs> So the beast of Gévaudan, if you think we're full of shit, if you've got your other theories on on what it is, if you are the beast of Gévaudan and you are (laughs) 200 years old, let us know. Um, If you want to get in touch with us, we are at SpookerPod on Instagram and the one with the bird. And if you search Spookernatural on Facebook, you can find us there. If you want to email us, if you're old school, it is spookerpod at gmail.com. Old school, old, new school. It's somewhere (laughs) in the middle, isn't it? It's like, it's it's the new new metal. It's the new metal of communication. Like, it's no longer new, new, but it's If you're a boomer and wish to get in touch with us. Yeah, precisely. Anyway, spookerpod at gmail.com. Give us reviews. We are, uh, we're we're fresh back. So uh, go, go do the reviews. So Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, if they have a rating system, Apple Podcasts definitely do. Uh, Go on, give five stars. I don't even believe you need to write a review. I think you can just hit the five star button. So literally onto the app, spookerpod, search, load, Click five, done. How long was that? Like eight seconds? Yeah, maybe eight put seconds. in, I am the beast of Jebudon. <laughs> yes, eight seconds to, to, to change our lives. I don't, know if, I don't think it'll change our lives, but it will help, so do that. Um, it'll give us the validation that we need. Yeah, because we <laughs> do need it. Um, humble uh, respects and apologies to RTD, and I think... I got through that without stammering. You did. Once. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> um, it took like 20 episodes for you to get it and just one return episode. Right. And you've got it. I got it. I'm so proud, proud of you. <laughs> well, thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye. See ya.